Thank you for listening to Freelance Kills. This podcast is for entertainment and education purposes only. Nothing I say should be considered financial or investment advice. Please contact a registered and licensed investment advisor or tax professional for any advice on your own personal situation. I'm excited for today's podcast episode. It's another installment of the Your Money Journey series, meaning I have the pleasure of welcoming a guest. For those of you new to the series, this is an opportunity for me to bring a diverse group of people to talk about their experiences with money through family, relationships, and career, and find the relatability in those stories. It's a chance to demystify how money affects us. I'm confident that we'll all find that there are some core similarities that we all share, no matter what our backgrounds or experiences have been. And more importantly, I know the mix of people that would join the show will be able to share things that are relatable to all of us. I'm focusing some of these initial conversations on some well-known and respected freelancers, small business owners, and creatives, but I'm going to eventually start mixing in some of you. The goal is for people to listen and find overlap, to realize we're all part of the same fabric as those that we look up to and admire. Today's guest is a fellow photographer and friend that I met back in 2011, if memory serves. He's originally from San Francisco, but moved to New York to pursue his dream of becoming a photographer. We both cut our teeth learning the ropes of freelance photography and so much more in New York City. This guy has done a lot in the time I've known him, having shot and produced two books, started raising a family with his wife, and transitioned his life to L.A., Without further ado, I give you photographer, storyteller, and father, Justin Chung. Before I get too deep in it, I want to take a moment to thank you for listening and supporting this show. It's not a perfect show, but it's a valuable one. It's valuable and it's free. If you're enjoying the episodes, do me a quick favor, subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're using. And if you want to take it another step, like and rate the show. That way the cream can rise to the top. And if you're really looking for your scout badge, pass the show along to a friend, a family member, or share it on social media. I'm doing this from the heart and it's important to me. People get a chance to learn as well. Justin Chung, welcome to the show today. I'm so glad that you could participate on Freelance Kills. I know that, I mean, one, as a photographer and a freelancer, people are going to really appreciate what you have to say. And two, I just think you're an interesting person. You've you, you've created your own uh, two books now. Um, all very exciting things that I think people have on the top of their mind. Like, what? how do I create? How do I think about money as a freelancer, et cetera, et cetera. And you have, yeah. uh, you know, a person of color uh perspective as well. So you have so much to offer. Yeah. Thank Welcome you. to the well, show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank of you. course, dude. I, I'm um, so let's, I, I want to jump right into it and there's no real warm up to talking about money. I don't think <laughs> obviously, you know no. what, actually here's a great warm up. 
talk to me a little bit about how, you know, you're a photographer. Talk to me a little bit how it's been recently with COVID-19 and sort of adjusting to productivity and life in this environment. Um, well, I mean, obviously kind of like day-to-day schedule for photographers, you know, we're pretty busy either planning shoots or being on set and just the production work within it that, that it entails. But during this downtime, I mean, no, no shoots are in production. So you're, you're really not really planning for anything right now. And I think it's actually a good time to just take a step back and just like figure out what is it that you really enjoy most and, and, um, reflect on what, what, you know, look back your past work and see what you can do to improve or figure out like, you know, where your true interests lie. And, um, and I think, yeah, it's a good time to just reflect because there are no, there is no real like commissions happening right now, or if it is, it's like a really challenging kind of job still. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think your question specifically was relating to, to money on this one still though. I'm like, what can you do to stay active still? And, um, I mean, like you were saying, I could release these books in the past and, I think this is a good time to reflect like what really makes what what really makes you move and what what really inspires you. And I think for me, it was like, even without like the prior to the pandemic, like years before, like, as I pursued the path of wanting to be a photographer, I wanted to still do work that made me happy and like that I personally wanted to achieve. And, and it eventually became a book because I just kept pursuing it over the years. So I think this is a good time to really reflect on like, what really makes you excited about photography um, and then maybe start pursuing like personal projects and personal tests. And hopefully those personal work will hopefully translate to, to actual work. It's a very so. thoughtful, insightful uh, answer. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Now let's let's jump into sort of your background. These are I, I I lied. I do have a little way to warm up to the money. Um, you know, tell tell everybody. You know, tell us where you're from. You know, where you live now. Yeah. All that kind of background stuff. All right. Um, I'm born and raised in San Francisco. Um, Glen Park is my neighborhood. Like born and raised, and um, grew up in San Francisco. Went to school in San Diego, um, University of San Diego. I uh, was pre med at first. Um, I had this idea of like just I don't know, I guess I, early on, I guess I, vol- I volunteered at, at a few hospitals in high school and I had this idea behind like, you know, maybe this is a, a potential career move for me. Went to school in San Diego, was pre-med and um, ended up still volunteering over the summers to figure out like, what is it that exactly I was really interested in doing? And um, I think my my sophomore, my junior year, I ended up doing an internship in Cambodia, like at a hospital, at a pediatric hospital. Um, and this was it. I was like, this is going to help me decide if this is the next, you know, if I, this is pediatrics or being a doctor was really for me. It ended up like being like a life-changing trip where I actually didn't want to pursue medical school anymore or not necessarily as much as I did before, but it was like, maybe I don't want to be a doctor. Um, went back to San Diego switched my focus to communication studies. And, um, with that, I still was interested in healthcare, but not necessarily being a doctor. So I still, um, pursued the health route. And after that, I, I got a master's degree in public health and hoping that that would, that would, you know, pursue my interests still. But, um, the, the funny thing is, is that photography kind of was always, I was always interested in it. Um, even in high school, college, 
graduate school, but it wasn't until actually I got a camera as I was embarking on my graduate school, uh, I guess, uh, career um, that I got a camera. And that's when I really started to like really take off. I started doing weddings and this and that. And so, yeah, so my life led me to Massachusetts where I went to grad school and then I back to San Francisco where, um, where I'm originally from. And when I really wanted to pursue photography, like give it a shot, I ended up um, taking a chance and moving with my girlfriend at the time, now wife, moving to New York. This was 2011, really just like no portfolio, like no, no real experience, no real like work experience. But from my trials of shooting in San Francisco, working with modeling agencies and working with small businesses, it seemed as though it was like either New York or LA as like a career move of like where you can actually build a portfolio. So I ended up choosing New York because I kind of gave my parents an ultimatum. I was like, it's either going to be me finally applying to medical school or like, or like, you know, doing this like trial run, like a photography, kind of getting out of the system. And if it didn't work, I'm then I'm going to like dive heavily into pre-med. So saved enough cash to like, you know, be able to do four months trial run in New York. A little bit about the finances. It was that um, really scrappy. Like we were crashing, um, like, and my wife and I were crashing like a one bedroom in like a three bedroom, like small unit. It was like a very, we were like just trying to make ends meet. And it was a new turf for me. I don't know really anyone in New York, but I really wanted, I really wanted it. So yeah, landed in New York. I remember having in and out before leaving and it was like sunny day in San Francisco and February 1st or landing in New York being in like the airport and like slowly getting like closer and closer to our apartment and just like experiencing like, like, a, like I don't know, a blizzard, <laughs> uh, something I completely out of my element. I mean, I lived in Massachusetts for a little bit, like, so I experienced the East coast, but it was like, um, a different, a different experience. It was like, I'm all in. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't really know where I'm living. It was just like, I never seen the apartment prior. So yeah. So led me to New York. Uh, February 1st, got there 2011 and was there uh, looking back. I was there for eight years. Um, met, met you in New York, uh, met our, you know, our core group of friends that we all share. I met all of you guys in New York. Like that was to me, New York is like a time where I actually really was able to, I, to build me like what it is that I wanted to pursue as a photographer. Um, and then, uh, now fast forward to now I live in LA I'm on the east side of LA uh, with two kids, family man, complete, like, especially like during these times, I'm complete dad mode. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the gist of like my uh, past 10 years as like an artist. I love that. That's a, that's a great story. And I think I'm going to uh, touch base on some of that a little bit later, but I want to go back just a little bit further you know, what, what was it like growing up in, in San Francisco in terms of, you know, do you have, you have siblings? I know, I actually know you have siblings, yeah, um, but you've you know, yeah, been in my house. Siblings, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But tell me a little bit about like growing up family life. Yeah. Uh, I'm the middle of three boys. We grew up in a very academic, in a very academic house, school, like uh, grades and performance. And in, in, in that um, was really important. Uh, my parents valued academics highly. My mom was working at a law firm and my dad, what, he owned a small mom and pop uh, bodega grocery store. Uh, my, my dad is Korean. My mom is Filipino. And so 
yeah, I'm like first generation Asian American. And uh, let's see, um, relating to like my career now, like when I was growing up, being a photographer was never on the table. Like pursuing anything in the creative genre was actually never on the table. So maybe like I was talking about it with our friend Sean and and I he thinks or like like we kind of came to the conclusion that maybe I pursued these art books that kind of talk about various creative lifestyles. It's because like I'm kind of learning it myself because it's something I never really grew up with. And I think my dad and my mom being like, you know, they moved from their countries to the US. Um like they never really saw, they never really knew anyone that were like freelance artists that they can turn to as a good example of like, here's an, a career opportunity that you can pursue. So yeah, that was my, like, that was the kind of like um, the area of importance growing up in that household was like, you know, doing really good in school. I was very active in sports. I loved, I loved playing sports growing up and, um, um, but yeah, that growing up a uh, middle three boy, uh, middle uh, of three of, of three boys it was one of those things where like the one thing i look back um whenever food was served it was like you had to fight for your food because you know three boys it's like you have to muscle your way in there to get to get your dinner um but yeah i mean looking for, uh, be still in touch with my siblings now and obviously my family um they're very supportive of what i do it's still a kind of like a a question mark to like you know what exactly i do i mean they know i take photos it was an interesting experience uh to have a bunch of friends and family meet them at, the, at our wedding. And for like when Emily and I got married, like they got to finally like witness, like, I guess the sphere that you and I belong in. And um, it's def definitely like a, it was a culture shock for them. They would just, they did not know. They thought everyone were like models and magazines or, <laughs> you know, designers. And like, you know, everyone was like living the lives you see in TV, but my parents and my relatives didn't know how to relate to that. So I thought that was a really interesting moment. But yeah, that was kind of like more or less like how the, the lifestyle that I was brought into early on. That's amazing. I, it, it's interesting, the correlation between different immigrant families, but it, they all have the same thread. You know, obviously my girlfriend, Tina, is Vietnamese. Uh, like you said, you have you have a, a mix. The the banana mag girls that I or women that I spoke to uh, on the, the past weekend they have the same sort of story. My friend Mark, who's Jamaican, same story. It's like we were, mm -hmm. it, it, even I think a lot of people of color, regardless of the immigration status, yeah. it's always like you can be a doctor, a lawyer, yeah. or an accountant, you know, something that the world's yeah. going to need at all times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, there was like a family joke growing up, like talking to my to my grandmother, who's, you know, passed away early on in my life, but like, she actually didn't speak any English. So like our communication to each other was just like, you know, greeting her and all that. But it was like a family joke of like, um, she didn't really know how to speak English, but the only words she knew was like Harvard, Princeton, and Yale. That's it was kind of like, yeah, because like to her, that means like that's where you should go because that defines what success is to her. Is like if you achieve those, like, you know, that pedigree, you've made it. That's like the American dream. Right. It's a, it, it's unfortunately, I mean, it is true to some extent and it's also a very whitewashed version of, of what people yeah. view America to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. They, they, once they hear that, they're always oh, successful. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh man. Tell me a little bit about how you define money. Do you have a definition that you have um, in your head for it? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, um, 
money to me is like essential, obviously, because it's to help from, I mean, it's, it's what we all need to live. So, um, definitely, especially during these times of like the pandemic, it's helped me realize even more of like my spending habits and being more aware of money itself. But for me, I guess over the year, I mean, it was always like money is like to help you get to where you need to go or like what you, it's like, a, um, I have never really valued or put so much more thought and thinking about it even more until more recently. I never really grew up around people that were like working in finance or accounting and um, uh, no one was growing up. It wasn't really like talked about or brought up to me so often. Like no one was really talking to me about the stock market or no one really taught me the fundamentals of saving. It was never really taught or discussed. So finances were never really like talked about of like, educationally of like here here's like the fundamentals of what money is and how you should understand it um i mean when i was in high school i did work i worked um i worked at um like camp like a like a san francisco based like camping facility in yosemite um where that money i i I was able to like get you know financial like finances 101 where i learned how to like you know if i wanted to buy the sweater uh you know i have to save up for it because like the, the allowance that I was given by my parents was not going to cover it. Right. So I was, that, that was like, but like I had to kind of learn these on my own terms and like kind of asking questions through my peers. But um, yeah, so I guess now like fast forward to now, now that I am a father raising two kids, um, I definitely want to embed that conversation earlier on. I'm not, I'm not education. I'm not educated in the best way to do it or the best practices, but I do see the value of like, you know, the fundamentals of like learning it and understanding, you know, understanding, um, you know, how to save properly and the, the fundamentals uh, behind it. But yeah, I guess um, it's it, to me, I view it as like an essential thing that, that we all need. And, um, and even, yeah, during these times, especially it's been, it's been more on my mind lately. Do you have an inclination towards being, I know you mentioned saving is a big part of your life now. Do you, are you naturally inclined towards being a saver or a spender or is it something you had to learn over time? Uh, something I had to learn over time. Uh, I think when I started pursuing photography as a career early on, you know, I was definitely a spender because I, I needed, I was self-funding my own business, self-funding everything I was doing. So I had to just invest everything back in and spend Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, get more camera lenses or get more, you know, build build my line of um, exp- expertise. I, I, I unfortunately didn't have like a big amount of money to start. So it was one of those things where I had to just like, with that small amount, like work with it and then invest and then invest. Um, uh, I think now as I'm older, I definitely am trying to, save, you know, obviously save more, wanting to make bigger purchases, buying a house and all that stuff. Um, and it's forced me to really think about, you know, how do I save more? But yeah, I mean, it, before I think, or looking back, I was definitely like a spender, like whatever I needed for, to build my work. I was like, let's do it. At least it was a uh, spending and investment terms instead of I, I need to cop 10, 10 sweatshirts from this new drop or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, looking back, I was never like, uh, I mean, I hung out with a bunch of, you know, people that really heavily like super cool. It's just fashion people, you know, people that work in fashion that totally, totally understand like, you know, the landscape me, 
I guess, I don't know. It was just something I was always curious and interested in, but I never really was in that. I guess I never really was in it. So yeah, you know, you know me. Yeah, I know. I, was I, dude, I know yeah. the routine. <laughs> I had my period in it too, and now I feel like I just I've settled into just the same uniform every day. So it, it makes yeah. spending a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> Watching your parents work so hard to provide you and your family the life that you had growing up did that impact you in terms of your work ethic now, or in terms of your view of of money growing up? Yeah, for sure. I mean. Um, they worked so hard. And what I've also come to realize, you know, the sacrifice, like, um, my parents worked really long hours. So when I was, when I was a kid, I would always be like, Oh, how come you guys are like going to miss my basketball game? Or how come you guys can't come home earlier? We can all have dinner together. And I, and I, you know, I see how they sacrificed a lot. And that's what I see is that, um, and, you know, obviously the challenge is like, how do you make enough so that you don't have to make as many sacrifices as well um but yeah i do i do see that and it's definitely like been embedded into me of like valuing like the work people do and the time people have um so yeah for sure i feel like we we have a similarity there where we sort of view money as i i call it freedom and it's essentially freedom of choice like yeah not necessarily for sure. i like agree a stack up thing <laughs> yeah no for sure i totally agree yeah yeah. Talk to me a little bit about how money has shaped your trajectory through your career. Has it, what I mean by that is, has money prevented you from going after anything that you thought you either needed for work or wanted to accomplish in work? Has it, did money steer you in a path? I mean, obviously as a fashion photographer, when you make that choice, you're making the choice to maybe suffer a little while before you actually make some mm-hmm. money. But what role has money played in terms of the decision you've made over the, yeah. the course of your career and after school? Uh, I mean, that was a good, that's a good question. I mean, to be honest, like looking back, I mean, I didn't really think about the money too much. I was always thinking about what is it that I'm trying to achieve? Um, like I was always like more like goal oriented and like figuring out what is it exactly that I wanted to do. Like I remember going to New York and I was like, I really want to shoot for J Crew. That's like what I'm trying to do. It's like one of my goals right now. And obviously the finances will be a factor to help me achieve that goal. But I wasn't, I don't think I was so dependent on looking at the finances, finances being like, you know, a factor. It was more like whatever I need to do to achieve this goal, I'm going to figure out a way to make this work if this is the goal that I'm trying to achieve. So for instance, in that case, if I needed to do build like, you know, a portfolio and build a website and build, you know, test shoots and to build my portfolio in a certain way, obviously I have to budget it out and like factor in like, how do I achieve it? But it was um, always like figure out the goal or figure out like what is it I'm trying to achieve first and then and then backtrack then. It's like, okay, cool. If I need to have the X amount of money to do it, like, okay, let's figure that out. But as long as like, you know, it was it was in within reason, within budget, and it was obviously goal oriented. So. so very practical minded in a in a sense. Yeah, I mean, um, Obviously, I think um, the way I shoot is like very not necessarily so practical. Like I shoot a lot of film, which is an addition, additional expense that can be incurred that, you know, easily like clients can be like, no, we're not doing that. But um, 
I think that's like the artistic side of us that what we do is like this is a, this is the way we work so um obviously you know keeping those at the helm of it but uh, the delicate balance huh <laughs> yeah it's kind of like figuring out the priority I think it's like I think it's like definitely like um for me the my relationship with the finances for work especially it's all about prioritization like so going back to the the, the books that I made obviously it was like a um, so I made these, I made these like art profile books of like artist profiles over the years that I've collected. What are they called? Faculty department. It, it essentially, like, I think this book I made is me coming to terms with the, the career path I made because I was so close to being a doctor or like pursuing that route of like healthcare. Now that I've been involved, you know, been pursuing photography, I wanted to kind of find ways to bring in this like academia to my work that I do and do these art profiles but you know almost as though they're like research papers because uh, that's what I was accustomed to doing in graduate school and um so yeah to, to fund and financially afford these books it was like obviously pursuing a book is an undertaking it's like whoa it's going to cost money but as I did you know three or four stories um I shot I shot the you know the men's at the time the head of direct head of men's design at J. Crew. Um, in New York. And, you know, I, I photographed these art, these profiles of people that I really meant a lot to me that um, if I just threw them up on the web, I don't know how much of an impact it would have made. So it was like a prioritization. It was like, okay, do I put it on the web or do I like try to pursue like an art book? And if it's going to be an art book, how much is that going to cost? So like, kind of like, what are, what, what is it that I want to do like, to, you know, for my work? And, um, so yeah, we ended up like pursuing the, the the books, even though it was you know a bigger expense at the time to like take on. It was a great learning experience on how to budget things and how to communicate with different like various different vendors, and it was almost like running another small business. So, but I think yeah, like kind of going back to what we're saying is just like it ended up being like an artistic preference of, of work that I wanted to do. That's yeah. great. It seems, I mean, it's, it's always going to be one of those things. I, we probably both know people that are 100% creative and want nothing to do with money. And then, <laughs> you know, you, as you get older, you have a family that you always have to realize that there's a delicate balance between how much creativity versus commercial success I need to have to survive yeah. this life and end, end it on a positive note. Tell me a little bit about, uh, actually I had a, I have a better question. This one's a, this one's a harder one for you, buddy. Oh no. <laughs> Do you have any, do you have any money fears or fears around money? Fears around money. Um, I mean, it's not talked about that often in my family. It's like kind of like, oh, let's not talk about money. So that's kind of like growing up that fear of like, you know, addressing it publicly to like, you know, to like within my family, for instance, like, that's always kind of been like, not necessarily a fear, but like taboo. Like we don't talk about that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't have any necessarily fear talking about it. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know where you're trying to go with this question, but um, yeah, nothing, nothing specifically. I mean, obviously it's like a, it's a, it's a growing up, it was like a touchy subject to talk about. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to force you down any road. I I think that some people have uh, fears about money in terms of uh, lack of like fears that 
no matter what they do in life, they won't have enough when it comes down yeah. to retire or, you know, things like that. But if you don't have any fears like that, that's totally fine too. It yeah, can, I mean, it can be I think, healthy either way. <laughs> I, well, I think this, I mean, like going back to like, kind of like what the situation that we're all going through right now, looking at my past expenses, like past expenses, like my coffee consumption, my my coffee purchasing has gone down dramatically. Like, you know, like my food, like the amount of money I spend on food makes me realize how I don't need to spend as much as I need. Cause I'm, you know, I love, I'm starting to really, really enjoy cooking um, at home. So I think being like, you know, being at home, being isolated for a little bit has made me confront like the, the you know, money, like con- face it on like directly. Whereas before it was always just like, you know, a lifestyle thing. Like, oh, let's, you know, it was very much just like being out and about and just ca- like kind of just casual. I was just casually just spending money. And now it's just kind of made me think more in the forefront of my mind of like, okay, cool. Like this was what your May looked like. This is what your April looked like. You didn't go out as much and this is how much you spent. I think it's enabled me to really just like understand me and my own personal spending habits a little bit more. Um, yeah, I hope that kind of answers your question. Oh, you yeah. don't, you, you yeah. don't need to worry about that at all. It definitely <laughs> answers my question. Do you and Emily, your wife, do you speak about money openly? Is it, is that, are those topics where you guys are, you know, both focused on the same goals or, or share, sharing those goals? Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about how yeah. you and your partner deal with money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think looking back when Emily, since like Emily and I, you know, we've been dating for, we've been together for so long now. So like looking back from, from college to graduate school, we, we've shared space, we've paid rent together. We've, you know, shared our finances for so many years now. It was kind of like, it was not really so much of a discussion. It was just kind of like similar, like what we were saying earlier of how like just casual spending, whatever we had, we were just, you know, spending, we didn't really like figure out like specific budgets in mind. We weren't so like financially savvy in that sense of like, you know, let's, you know, put X percentage of our income to savings or whatever. It was never really a discussion. It was just, we were just living and just, you know, casually spending. As now we have two kids now, it's definitely like a conversation we have much more frequently. We're talking about, you know, tuition for schools for kids and daycare and health insurance and you know, wanting to buy a home. So it's definitely a way like the conversations have grown. The one challenge that we have been facing is that since we don't have any finance, you know, accountants or anyone that's, you know, has an experience with, you know, working in money um, around us to kind of help oversee, you know, or give us any advice. We've kind of been just doing it like DIY style, like just like learning on the fly. So yeah, that could be something that like you could potentially like, you know, figure out of like, you know, educating, um, yeah, you know, put more of your own thoughts into that later, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's definitely, we've been talking about it more openly and confronting it a lot more, figuring out budgets, figuring out what works, what doesn't work. Uh, even like, like, especially like lately, like Emily is like, why did you get this? Like, we don't need this. Like, um, which never really happened before. No, you know, I would order whatever we needed and it would just come at, you know, Amazon, obviously we just, come, it comes in two days or whatever. But then now more like, you know, even lately it's like, why we don't need this or like, um, let's save, let's save and get it like, you know, later on. So 
yeah, I think uh, this time has been interesting for us because we've actually been able to, you know, talk more about it more openly and, and deeper. So, yeah. I love that. That's, that's yeah. special. A lot of people, it takes a lot of people time to get to that place, even with their partner, somebody that they love. So that's, that's amazing. By the way, I am always here for you when you need me. So please don't hesitate. You have my number. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Thank um, you. And I do coaching on Zoom uh, for the low price of, no, just playing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have have you guys, that, that actually brings upon the, the next question is, have you started, you know, especially as a freelancer, have you started investing for retirement or are you still on the sort of more of the saving side of just piling up cash? So Emily, so she has, she's not working in like as a freelancer. So she works for a company. And so like, she's the one that's helping save for retirement. Whereas I am just, you know, saving money for savings. Um, I'm not too familiar with the process of like, um, how do you save for retirement as a freelancer yet? Haven't really addressed that because luckily like Emily has a job where like, you know, money goes toward that, that I can also add to it. So like, I guess that's been helpful. Like same thing, like for me, like I don't really, I never really had to embark on how to get healthcare insurance because I get that through Emily. So had she been a freelancer, we would have to be both like definitely addressing these questions together. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's, those are the answers to that. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I'm curious, uh, tell me a little bit more about the DIY approach to learning finance, because I know that there's absolutely the, the bulk of Americans are probably learning this way. Uh, or how, do, how did you sort of start your path down? Okay, now I want to find out about budgeting or yeah. now I want to find out about what I need to save in an emergency fund or whatever it may be. Honestly, like for me, I'm always about asking like, you know, people like, like asking around. I'm not so much like I haven't, I don't have a book on anything yet. Um, if I did, I would ask you for what, what you want to get. But, you know, I, I also am fortunate enough to be in a, like a you know, in a, with um, a photo agency that I really love and, and, and I turn to for advice and for anything like that. I always go to like as a resource. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, hearing things of like, you know, saving, getting enough for like, you know, six months rent to have, um, just hearing stuff like that has been kind of like the DIY approach of just like these notes of, you know, these suggestions that I hear in in passing. So there hasn't really been like any sort of like textbook fundamentals in that sense. So yeah, I guess some of the things I've been hearing is like, you know, six months, six months to have is for like a rainy day fund, um, putting X amount of percentage to like investing potentially into the stock market, um, stuff like that. So nothing too serious. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great though. Those are some, I mean, the six months thing is a, a fundamental that I teach like everywhere, mm -hmm. Skillshare online, all okay. that kind of stuff. So next question is going to be, as we sort of get to the, get to the end of the conversation, what, what is one thing, what is one thing that you would t tell yourself, younger self about money that might be able to help somebody else get up the path to where you're at a little bit faster. And I'm not saying some magic path where you're now rich or anything, but just something that you learned about money along the way that has helped you better navigate your life. Uh, it's a really good question. I mean, I really thought about that. I mean, definitely like everyone says, like it's so important to have savings. I have two kids now. So it's like, especially during these like times that we're living in at the moment, it, you know, it's, it's a, it definitely can be a scary thing. It's like, you know, if you can't afford next month's rent or groceries and 
and being in the position where I have to be able to provide, you know, for these, for these kids for, you know, we go to the store and Bastion, my son wants something like the fact that like at the moment I am, you know, I can, I can provide, it makes me feel so like grateful for, for what I can do for him. But I think having, you know, so many times when I like look back, I, I didn't necessarily need certain things. So being able, being able to save as much as possible. Um, and I think I, the, definitely the one thing I would for sure tell my younger self is to learn fundamentals of, of fin- like finances 101, like find somebody like you early on to like really embed that kind of understanding that into your system. I wish I had learned this like, you know, in middle school or in high school, like, and another thing I think was, would be really valuable. And I, you know, is to work, to be able to work and have that work experience early on. Um, definitely like my son, Bastion is going to be working, um, going to be learning how to make money, the value of money. Um, I'll be learning from you on like kind of how I can embed fundamentals earlier on, but yeah, definitely like fundamentals of like finances. Cause it's not taught in school. Like they don't teach you. You have to like pursue it as a degree for them to like teach it to you. Yeah. Savings, education early on and working early on. You know what the thing that's crazy about uh, not teaching it in school is that even if you pursue it as a degree, I have a finance degree. They don't teach you personal finance. They teach you. They don't. Finance. Yeah, they I don't. Mean, it's not the same. They teach you like the numbers, right? Like the. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. I mean, um, that's like the one thing like that's I, that I really like. I'm excited about like what you're doing, JB, is because like you're the only one that I know that's actually like, you know, taking this up and like kind of educating people and like talking about it. Because other than that, like, I don't know anyone that's like, you know, and I know, you know, I don't know anyone that's like, you know, understands it. Like, you know, so it's great. Yeah. I mean, I hope to, I hope to be able to connect with a lot of, especially creative types that are sort of more artistic than not to help give them a little bit more balance, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Yeah. I'm wondering if, if there's a lesson just a little bit deeper into this, you know, one thing you might teach your younger self, something very specific to freelancers is there something you would have done to better prepare yourself from the jump to, you know, moving to New York to decide to, you know, focus or, or follow your heart towards photography? Like a lesson, like, as in like in, in, in finance? Yeah. I mean, it, actually it could be, it could be either category. I mean, if it, if it was finance and it was something like, I wish I would have saved up a little bit more, that's fine. But if there's something mm-hmm. that you learn, you know, just yeah. even getting yourself emotionally ready for a decision like that, yeah, whatever, whatever works. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me personally, like I didn't really have enough savings to really pursue it properly, but I think the moral is is, like, you just got to want it no matter what, like it's going to be challenging savings or not. Like if this is the, you know, there will be ups and downs as a freelance artist. So obviously you can do your best to prepare for it as much as you can, but there are also like, you know, turns that you'll go that like, you're not prepared for. Like, for instance, like, no one knew this was coming. So I think it's good to be savvy and, like, understand finances and, like, be able to save. But also, you know, I think it's really important to fight for what you want. And, like, if it's not going to be, if you don't have the savings to pursue a New York, you know, move and for four months and whatever, like, a lot of people will probably be like, you shouldn't do this because it's kind of like you're not prepped for this. You're not. This you might not even be like, hey, you you don't have enough savings for it, right? You might not be 
in the best kind of like situation for this, for this next venture you're trying to pursue. My parents didn't approve of it. You know, endless amount of people didn't approve of this kind of decision that I was making. But I think deep down inside, it was something that I really, really wanted to, to at least try out and do because the stacks were against me. Like I didn't have a portfolio. Like I didn't have anything. I wanted to do it, but I didn't even know what I really wanted until I got there. So I think um, save as much as possible or be smart about your decisions. But then also, if you're ready to, to dive into the deep end and if it's something that you really want to fight and do, go for it. Very, very fair answer. I, I really like that because I think there are some things that have just the the amount of gravity that won't allow you to sit still and wait it out anymore. And I, I, can, I can understand that too as an artist yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course, dude. So I, I'm going to, I want to, I'm going to transition us to the speed round as a, as an ender, but I also oh, have a, oh, it's easy stuff. Like, you know, where you like to eat and stuff, not a big deal. Okay. But one last question, <laughs> uh, because I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull all the categories together, freelance, finance, and wellness, well-being. Is yeah. there anything you do for your mental health, your emotional well-being, um, you know, to not drive yourself crazy? Is there anything you do to balance out the work and the family and all that kind of stuff? Um, lately I've been just doing like really long walks as much as like, obviously, uh, so I have a three-year-old and I have a relatively like a newborn eight month old and we have a stroller that has like, like a, like a, not a kickstand, but like a, like a step stool that he can like, it has wheels. So like he can stand on it and, um, being home more, I'm able to just, you know, get to really just take these like long walks in my neighborhood. And for a while, I was like, this is so boring. But, you know, living, used to living in New York, I would do these kind of walks just to go to the subway stop. And living in LA now, it's like one of those things where like, you're in the car now most of the time. And so I've been doing these like long, like really long walks, um, like one hour, 45 minutes. Luckily, Bastion, like three-year-old, is able to stay excited about it. We have a playlist for him that like just keeps him going and he's into the whole walk. but. I think it's been really helping me just like just connect to where I live and just, you know, just be able to just spend time with my kids and just like explore together regularly. Um, that's been really amazing for me. Uh, I look back, the one thing I'm going to really miss once things open up again are these walks that I do. That's great. I mean, yeah. it worked for Steve Jobs, right? <laughs> oh yeah, true. He would just walk, take meetings on the on, on like yeah, meet me here and we'll just go on like a walk. It, exactly. Yeah, no, it's exactly. it's been it's been amazing. I mean, it actually brings me back to um, being in New York. Actually, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So let's let's talk about it a little bit. Um, as one of my speed round questions, I asked Sean the same thing because you guys are both. Well, you're not quite an LA transport or, you know, a California transport because yeah. uh, you're from there. But, um, you know, is there anything that you miss about New York that you don't have in LA? I love, I love the, the, the close proximity of these pockets of neighborhoods that like you're, you're, you allow these like coincidences to happen. Like I would be in Soho and I would bump into you kind of thing, you know, like those spark so much, um, I don't know, collaborate, the collaborative energy was so strong. If I wanted to pursue a photo shoot, you would connect me with X person and I would meet with that person that same day and then be able to like, you know, produce it so quickly because everyone wants to do it and everyone is so close by to each other. Here in LA, it's kind of the opposite. It's like, let's set up a meeting next week. Okay, cool. Uh, we figured out step one. Okay, let's, let's, let's resume this next week. It's like a slower pace, but, um, 
but I, it took me a while to adjust, but now I'm actually like, just, I'm fully like in that zone right now. I'm just like loving the, the, the energy, how it flows here. You're plugged in. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Is there, once this, once this COVID-19 pandemic, and I know probably LA will open uh, quicker than New York, but is there a place that you can't wait to go back to, to eating? And I don't mean just takeout because yeah. I, I, I know how that is. <laughs> I mean, I ask my wife this every week and she gets mad because she's like, stop, because she gets so hungry thinking about it. Um, we really love the Korean barbecue scene out here. The, um, I took my dad to a few Korean restaurants out here. I got When I moved here, some of the early people I got to really know are – uh, Junmo and Jacob, they own Maru Coffee. It's like a Korean, they're Korean, they're from Korea or they're Korean. And, um, one's from Korea and they opened up a coffee shop called Maru Coffee. I ended up like doing a story on them for an editorial publication early on when I moved here and they became like, you know, some of my like really good friends early on. And, and I told them, I'm like, I'm half Korean. They didn't even know at first, but I'm like, I'm half Korean. I, I have a lot of Korean family in LA but I never lived or spent that much time here growing up. So I was like, please just take me to all your Korean spots. So it became like a, a regular thing. And I got to know a whole new like line of you know, genre. You know, I got to really know Korean food. Um, obviously they would order everything in Korean. I don't really know what's coming, but oh my gosh, like the Korean, I'll, I'll take you and Tina when you guys come next oh, time. Oh, please, please. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, this is my favorite. I mean, Korean, Japanese. I mean, it's all Vietnamese. It's all so good. Oh, and the yeah, flavor yeah. profiles are not. It, I mean, you just can't get that kind of thing in America. <laughs> I mean, the right, you know, the the, the, the yeah. taste profile from America. Yeah. Well, so I was, wanted to tell you those. I took my dad to one of these spots that um that uh, Junmo and Jacob took me to, and my dad was like, "This food is better than Korea," because <laughs> like I think I think like the LA. The Korean community within LA, they kind of, Amer not, not Americanized, but like, I guess like the ratios are just definitely like Americanized. So like, if you want a dish that you get in Korea, it's probably like triple the size here. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I also am envisioning to my dad, like through my dad's experience seeing it. It's just like the, the magnitude is definitely more present here than I would imagine. I don't know though. I've never been to Korea, um, but it's almost like, you know, when you go to Texas, like, you know, the portions are huge. Right. Um, and my dad went to these restaurants. My dad's like, whoa, like this is a lot of food. <laughs> so it could be like the Western take on it. I don't know. You know, that, that's, a, that's a great observation. <laughs> Where is the first place you're going to go as soon as you can hop back on a plane and feel safe, obviously? <laughs> on a plane? Um, I haven't thought about that. I mean, obviously, if it's anything work-related, definitely I'll be flying um, but in terms of, you're talking about like more like personal travel. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Vacation, take the family or, or, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to take my family to New Mexico. Obviously if, if I could, we could drive though. It's not that far. Uh, Emily's wife is in New York. So definitely back to New York. I would love to see you guys see you, you know, you teen, obviously be out in New York, be back in the crew, back with the crew. Um, yeah. Uh, just, it would be definitely based around seeing friends and family. And then um, obviously the New Mexico one that's close by is just more of like a, a landscape that I've been personally just, you know, I love it. I love it there. So, yeah. That's great. La last question. And this is back to your artistry a little bit. What makes somebody that you pick 
to be a subject of faculty department? What what is it? What is the special quality uh, that you could highlight that that draws you to them? Oh man, that's a really good question. It's kind of like this um the spirit of um like they're take they're embarking on that path of like they're trying to do something that is quite difficult or you know they're like a, they're trying to pursue something that's I kind of I guess maybe it reminds me of like you know uh, trying to find inspiration of coming to terms with like this career choice that I made and when I meet some of these artists or people like you know these subjects and hearing their like life story and how they approached it uh, and it gives me the goosebumps it's kind of like those like personal stories and they you know these stories of like how they've heavily invested their like lives and you know to their craft those moments are always like oh man like and if I could show somebody this story like what's the best way I can show them so obviously I'm a photographer so that's how my channel if you know our friend Sean who's a writer he might best be able to present these stories instead of telling you about it over a call or whatever he can you know write an essay on it or do a profile on online and and so for me it's like um finding that like that moment of just like when I, when I, when I'm with them of just like that, they're self-made. I think it's all comes to this like whole idea of like being self-made um, that they've done it, that they were able to pursue their dream or pursue their, what it is that they were really wanting to pursue. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. It's kind of, I'm looking back at all, thinking about all the subjects and stories. And um, now that I live in LA, it's definitely like my interests and curiosities have changed a little bit more when I was in New York, I think I was definitely heavily interested in like craftsmanship and, you know, obviously fashion and like design that like we've the the circle that we've all kind of been around, but now getting to know, um, like living in LA, getting to know, I guess, less people in fashion, because I guess the circle of people that I've been around lately are not working so much into fashion, maybe because fashion is more focused in New York. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, obviously there's so many talented designers in LA, but it's now like landscape design and, and, um, kind of more like, like home, like, like living projects. So, but it's, yeah, it comes to the self-made idea of hearing these stories and being able to wanting to share them, but in the way that I feel most comfortable sharing. Beautiful. Could have yeah. said that better myself. <laughs> uh, you're, so you're a very talented photographer, talented storyteller. How can people get in contact with you or see your work? Tell us a little bit how to find you on the interwebs. Okay. Um, well, I have an online portfolio. Um, uh, it's just justinchungstudio.com. Um, uh, I, I post on my Instagram, Justin Chung, and yeah, feel free to reach out. Feel free to connect. Um, I'm always happy to uh, help give advice however I can. Um, yeah. And if we want to find the book, um, can we find that through your Instagram or, or your website or yeah. both? Yeah. Yeah. My website. I'm sure you can find it. Um, yeah. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Justin, yeah. for taking the time to share your story. And, you know, talking about money can be vulnerable. So thank you for being a little bit vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, thank you for inviting me. Of course, man. And it's always yeah. good to see you. Hope everything yeah, like starts uh, getting active again soon so we can both start <laughs> taking some photos. Yeah, for sure. And, and I would love to hang out and see you guys soon. So, Of course. Well, have a great rest of your day in, in beautiful LA and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, JB. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
Once again, a really big thank you uh, for coming on the show to Justin Chung. Super nice guy, super talented. Make sure you check out his website, justinchungstudio.com. And I'm going to leave this in the show notes in the the show description. But uh, you can also, once you're on his site, click print shop and you can get uh, an opportunity to purchase some of his work, either prints or the book that we we mentioned a couple of times, Faculty Department. Really beautiful book, looks good on the coffee table, uh, and even better when you crack it open and check out some of the stories and, and photos that go along with the, with the book. So anyway, thank you for so much for being on the show. Next week, I don't know what we have planned, so... As always, make sure you're subscribing so you can stay tuned in uh, to the show when it hits. And uh, if you haven't signed up for the email notifications, too, make sure you head over to FreelanceKills.com. I just want to keep you guys informed of what's going on. And uh, if you're feeling really nice and generous, as always, I love to say this, but head over to iTunes, look up Freelance Kills, uh, and rate the show, leave a review, those help really, you know, push the show to the top when you're when people are looking for, you know, advice on career, freelance, those types of podcasts. So anyway, uh, leave a note. Let me know what you think. Last note before I go, uh, if you have anybody that you think should be featured on the podcast, especially for your money journey, uh, as I haven't announced a new guest uh, series that I'm launching soon, but for your money journey, if you have anybody you think that would be uh, an amazing guest, uh, whether they be somebody like you, an expert, somebody you admire, look up to, another creative, whatever, doesn't matter. If you just think they'd be really cool to be featured, uh, please send me a note, freelancekills at gmail.com. You can DM me on Instagram at freelancekills, uh, but I'm easy to find. Um, and if you have questions, remember now I am doing these random Q&A answers as sort of non-Wednesday releases, so it's not part of the weekly release, and I'll release them just as soon as I get questions and answers. I'll try to record a response, drop them on the podcast. The last one I did was this past Saturday about how to deal with medical debt. It's literally a five, six-minute episode, so that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, easy, digestible. So if you have questions, same way that you can... Tell me who you want to have featured on the podcast. Send me an email, DM me, or you can go to anchor.fm, find the show, Freelance Kills, or I think we're just anchor.fm slash Freelance Kills, and just click submit a voicemail or leave a voicemail, and you can ask your question, and I will answer it directly on the podcast. So anyway, thank you for sticking with me another week. Looking forward to more stuff to come. All right, have a great rest of your week.